We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Tuesday night from Sacramento after the Timberwolves' first of two games here against the Kings. And tonight started well. It was a 20-point win over the Kings, the Wolves' fifth win in a row. Uh, probably most noticeably a game where the Wolves made 22 of their 44 three-point attempts against a Kings team that had... Just a really long day. I think this game was just so chalked up as a win, even before tip-off. So much so that I was kind of worried about what the general vibe and effort of the team would be. I mean, just talking to some of the Kings media people here, they had all just this sort of defeatist mentality coming into this game. Like, oh, you know, of course the Kings are going to lose this one after the trade. And I, you know, I guess that proved to be correct. But honestly... That was just not the way I personally went into this game, especially after Kings coach Alvin Gentry said before the game that De'Aaron Fox was going to play in the game. I mean, I just came into this one you know, before we even knew about the trade that happened, thinking that this was going to be a game that Fox was not going to play in. He'd missed the previous eight games. So I kind of looked at it like, all right, Halliburton and Heald are out, but Fox is in comparing those two things. And as good as Halliburton is, I'm not so sure that some sort of massive downgrade losing him, losing Halliburton and gaining Fox. And it's also not like pretty clearly disgruntled Buddy Heald had like exactly been some sort of massive needle mover for this Kings team lately. I was just concerned the Wolves might not, you know, they might not read it that way and take this Kings team really lightly. And, you know, eight minutes into the game, it, it felt like that was kind of happening. It was 21 to 21, and Davion Mitchell was just kind of carving up the Wolves' pick-and-roll defense, hitting Damian Jones consistently on the roll. You know, Finch, after the game, he he described the Wolves' start to the game as immature. But then, eight minutes into the game, the bench starts coming in. Jordan McLaughlin and Torian Prince, Torian Prince check into the game, and Finch gets a bench unit of Nas, Prince, McDaniels, Beasley, and McLaughlin out there, and they grow up. Once Prince and McLaughlin checked in at eight and a half minutes into the quarter, the next six Wolves possessions went. Beasley made three, 
Beasley made three. McDaniels made three. Beasley missed three. Nas has a massive dunk. Then McLaughlin gets a steal that leads to a layup, and boom, the Wolves are rolling. They got a five-point lead. And the the bench specifically kept rolling throughout the, the rest of the game. By the end of the night, Nas finished with 12 points, four of six shooting. Prince had 11 points. He made three threes. Beasley goes seven for eight from deep, finishes with 21 points. And Jordan McLaughlin had a double-double. 11 points, 11 assists, no turnovers. J-Mac was, again, a team best in plus-minus at plus 18. And as Chris Finch put it after the game, you know, he was kind of the reason. Here, here's Finch when asked about Jordan McLaughlin after tonight's game and just the run he's been on recently. He's been the MVP of our team in a lot of ways. He's he's generating so much great offense out there. Um, defense has been outstanding, and he comes up with big plays. Like, he just gets a steal, you know, when the momentum's going against you. He's really been uh, outstanding for us. Him and Torian and off the bench have been great. You know, can't say enough about the job they're doing, which is which is great, you know, because uh, the first unit didn't really have it all tonight, and, and our bench was outstanding. Over the past four games, Jordan McLaughlin has played 76 minutes, and the Wolves have won those 76 minutes by 69 points. In the other 116 minutes in those four games, the, the, the minutes that J-Mac has been on the bench, the Wolves have actually been outscored by 10. So plus 69 on, minus 10 off. I mean, J-Mac also now has an assist-to-turnover ratio of 45 to 1 over his past 12 games. I mean, he's just been a wild development for this team. I mean, the whole bench has been wild. They're on an insane run, an insane shooting run. Jane McDaniels has made 12 of his past 23 threes. It's 52%. Torian Prince has made 21 of his last 33 threes. That's 64%. And Malik Beasley is in the mix. He's now made 20 of his last 31 threes. That's 65% from deep. You know, obviously, these are unsustainable shooting rates, but in a way, it's also just kind of the worm turning for those three in particular. Like, through the first 35 games of the season that happened, you know, that's when the new year turned, was 35 games in the year. At that point, McDaniels was shooting 27% from deep, Prince was shooting 31% from deep, and Beasley was shooting 33%. I mean, we've talked about how it's encouraging that the Wolves have, that they have the best offense in the NBA since you know, all their starters returned from COVID, COVID on January 3rd. We've said it's been encouraging because it hasn't been fueled by three-point shooting alone and instead just sort of offensive improvements across the board, and that's still true. You know, in now the 18 games since January 3rd, the Wolves, well, the Wolves are 13-5 and five. over that stretch. They do have the best offense in the league by a mile over number two Denver, but they're still only shooting 37.6% from three over that run. I mean, that's starting to tick up there, but it's not some insanely high number that you know, we should expect to regress drastically. But, but I think that number as a team as a whole, three-point percentage compared to the bench, like with the bench, a three-point progression is not only needed, it, it also should have been expected to some extent. Because one, the numbers were so low, but it's also such a big part of that unit's personnel's identity, right? That was that was the logic behind having Beasley come off the bench this season. And it didn't work at the beginning of the year. But 
the way that that group is getting three-point looks, good three-point looks, not only in the half court, but also in transition, like this is exactly what you hope for. I mean, the Wolves offense lagged in a lot of ways in the first half of the season. I mean, we've gone down the list of, you know, the cat in the post, D-Lo turnovers early on, you know, Ant up and down. But one of the drivers of the lagging offense the first half of the season, why they were well below average offensively, was that the bench wasn't doing anything close to this. Here's Finch on what that shooting has meant to this group and why it's taken so long to come around. Oh, I mean, it's been, yeah, it's been huge. Again, like him and Torian, their shot making is elite right now. Um, you know, we we always say shooting is like, it's like blackjack. If you stay at the table long enough, the cards come back around and he's getting great looks. He's, he's got a ton of confidence. He's coming into the game ready to put him up. Um, you know, and I, I think they're all, in the flow of the game, you know, we, we don't even have to manufacture shots for him anymore. We were trying to do that for a little while, but he's, he's doing a great job. It really is a, from a league specifically such a high volume of, of plays. I mean, he shot nine last year, a game, maybe less minutes this year, but it, it, yeah, it's even more like yeah. per minute that, that he's shooting. Do you attribute like some of like him adjusting to that in ways, yeah, like a different shooting role, kind of getting used to it over time. I think so. I think that's a really uh, good um, assessment. You know, when you come off the bench, and in particularly when you're, you know, you're wired with his mentality, he wants to do as much damage in as little time as possible because he knows he's coming in off the bench, and um, and he has the green light to do that. But it puts a lot of pressure on you to feel like you have to make every shot you take. Uh, and, you know, I think he's gone through that and has adjusted quite well. So. Malik Beasley is now up to 36.2% from three on the season. And if you couldn't make out what my second question was there because the mic was quiet, what I asked about was just that Beasley's three-point volume this season has been even higher than it was last year, which makes it, in a way, makes his role on offense, almost completely different. Like last year, Beasley took 8.73s per game. This year, he's taking 8.3. But when you factor in the idea that he's playing almost seven fewer minutes per game, that that's a pretty massive spike in three-point volume. It's, it's a different type of three-point specialist. If you sort for three-point attempts per 100 possessions across all the players in the NBA, only Steph Curry and Duncan Robinson are taking threes at a higher volume than Beasley is this season. Curry has made 38.1 of those threes, and Duncan Robinson has made 36.2% of his threes, which is the exact same percentage Beasley has now shot. I mean, when you're shooting that many threes, being a 40% three-point shooter just isn't a realistic expectation. I mean, you go down the list behind Beasley in three-point volume, and next up is Buddy Heald, 36.8%. After that, it's Jordan Clarkson, 32.4%. And after that, it's Davis Bertans. 31.9%. I mean, this season has been labeled as a shooting disaster for Beasley. When when really what it more so has been is a year where Beasley is just shooting a gargantuan volume of threes. I mean, I've been guilty of railing against Beasley's play in his shooting to some extent, but the volume is the context I don't think I was giving enough consideration to. The reality is that Beasley's three-point volume this season compared to last season, is 123% of what it was a year ago. 
doing that while expecting the three point percentage to hold was just it was a naive concept. Now, maybe you could say he was shooting too much, but if this is how much he was going to shoot, you know, we, we couldn't expect a 40 percent three point shooter again. But even the three point percentage is beginning to turn. Like Finch said, the cards at the black blackjack table are beginning to turn in Beasley's favor, which is, I think, coming into Thursday, some important concept context to consider with the trade deadline. This bench group has been, you know, the real story these past few weeks, and they continue to be the story tonight. Again, delivering. Um, after a quick break here, we'll come back to look at the other half of the roster. The previously always stable starters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 20-point win in Sacramento on Tuesday night. While we spent the whole first half of this pod focusing on the bench, I think it would be irresponsible to just brush over Cat's game tonight. 25 points, nine boards. That doesn't exactly pop by cat standards. But as we put this in the, you know, the broader context of him just being a consistent for this team every night since he got back from COVID, I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, the main pr- frustration with cat in the first chunk of the season was that, you know, he spin the wheel like he could implode, foul trouble, fail- flailing, just kind of volatile behavior and that has almost completely disappeared over this past like month and a half in the 17 games since cat has returned from covid he scored between 17 and 40 points every game and he shot over 50 percent from two in 14 of those 17 games i mean these numbers aren't blowing up but he's just not really ever having bad games i mean tonight cat was eight of 11 from two hit two of his three of the three threes he took I mean, while Pat, Bev, and D'Lo have missed time, you know, Vandal has been a little banged up. Ant has been increasingly inconsistent. Cat has been there for the starters pretty much every single night. I mean, after we had to worry about Cat a lot at the beginning of the year, I thought, you know, these comments from Finch on how he just doesn't really have to worry about Cat at all, I thought they were pretty telling. Yeah, we talked about it today. I told him I was, you know, really impressed and proud of how he's like letting the game come to him and um, picking his spots when he needs to take over and not, you know, and, and we've been trying to force a lot of things to him at times. And we don't really call his, we don't really call his number that much really anymore right now. Um, 
and um, you know his passing has been really good too. And just just he's just very very comfortable in his own skin out there. Uh, and to, you know, I, I didn't think that he played particularly well. I was focused like mostly on his defense in the first half, but I looked at his stat line and I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> it was probably one of the only guys who was playing all well offensively for us. You know? I also just want to note that Cat is super happy right now. I mean, I guess that's to be expected with a winning streak, but I would say this was the most upbeat tonight after the game that Cat has been in any postgame presser all year, which kind of reminds me of the five-game losing streak in the beginning of December that ended with those three bad losses at home to Atlanta, Utah, and Cleveland. I mean, I think that was the most dejected I've ever seen Cat after a game. I mean, he's a, he's an emotional dude, clearly. It, it, really, it really does come down to emotions with him a lot of the time. And on the floor in this, you know, run of 18 games where the Wolves are 13 and five, I, I, you know, I'd say Cat has been his least emotional, but in a good way. You know, when the offense is just coming naturally for him, you almost don't even, you don't even really see it. But conversely, when he's forcing it, you do see it and you feel it and it drags. There's really been none of that. The only emotion is just this sort of post-game euphoria that, that he's had. He walked off the podium tonight and just said, isn't winning basketball great? Yeah, I'll play a positive clip from Cat here in a second, but I want to paint the context of this answer because I think it's important. I mean, Ant has really been struggling lately. This was probably the worst game of his season tonight. He just clearly wasn't there at all tonight, which is now becoming a bit of a disturbing trend. Ant finished with five points, missed all three of his threes. It's two of nine from two. But when Cat was asked about it, he, he circled back to the fact that this stretch of struggle has come from Ant during a time when the team has been winning. Here's Kat. Um, what would you say to Ant right now? He's going through a little bit, a little bit of a struggle, kind of seeming to maybe struggling to kind of try to find his rhythm right now. Yeah, I, I think for him it's just, uh, you know, I, I think it's not him. I think it's, you know, uh, defenses are loading up on him. They're making it more difficult for him. And and me and my job, I got to make the game easier for him. So, um, you know, fatigue season, mental, physical, but also just, People are respecting him way, way more. You know, he, he possible all-star, could have been all-star, should have been an all-star in my opinion. But, you know, when you got that kind of pedigree now, teams look at you different. You got you to gotta be able to adjust. And I got to be able to help him. You know, I got to be able to adjust to get him going. I got to look back at film. I got to find different ways to keep the game easy for him. When we need him, when we need a bucket from him, I got I to gotta find a play that, is almost foolproof, just something. I remember when Wiggs was here, we ran triangle, if you remember that, Dan. You know, we ran the triangle sideline out of bounds. Wig got three picks to go to the other side in one-on-one. So maybe we look back at that, you know, maybe other options. You know, I got to keep – I got to find ways to make the game simpler for him. Uh, well, you know, and then, you know, when he starts seeing some shots going and it's super simple and it's super easy for him, I think that's when you're going to see Ant re- uh, come back to hit and step back, step back three, long threes, crazy shots, you know, stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, too, I want to make this known that, you know, he's, you say he's struggling, but I think he's playing some of the most winning basketball right now. You know, he's playing defense. He's he's doing uh, all the things needed for us to win and put ourselves in winning positions, and that's why we have this winning streak, you know. Um, he's part of the starters, and um, even with two for 12 today, and I know the stat sheet doesn't give him a lot of credit, um, plus six you know, plus six, it shows that when he's on the court, we we are effective and winning the game and 
Um, also, I think that he's doing a lot of great things that don't end up on the stat sheet. So um, these are just growing things. He's growing into a more and more complete player. And during these kind of these kind of moments, you're gonna you're, you may not shoot the best, but it's okay. You know, what the best thing about this is that in his struggle, we're winning. <laughs> feels much better to win and struggle <laughs> than to lose like for me was happening and then lose a lot of games and struggle that, that feels deflating so um you know the best thing about this for him is that he gets to you know brush this one off uh go back to the room get some good food get a good night rest and gets to come back here and do it again against the same team so the one thing I know about Ann, if he gets two two looks at it, he ain't gonna miss two for two. He gonna miss go zero for two. He gonna go one for two for sale. So I'm very excited to see uh, uh, him play tomorrow. I mean, I'm a little bit more concerned about Ant's play of late. I, I don't think this has all been about teams loading up on him, game planning against him. I mean, that's been happening for months now, and we've seen him kind of, we've seen Ant be able to navigate that, find his way through it. But what I do agree with Carl from that is I would definitely bet on a bounce back game for Ant tomorrow. I said to Chris during the game when it was just clear that this was going to end up a bad night for Ant that I think I'll have a big one tomorrow. I mean, Ant just seems to need some internal motivation for him to kind of light that pilot light. You know, I'm, I'm not totally surprised that Ant's Sunday day game against the Pistons was a bad game. And I'm not surprised playing the Kings on a Tuesday after they trade one of their best players didn't really exactly light the match for Ant either. I think the internal motivation for Ant tomorrow is pretty clear. Like, he'll know he'll be coming off a bad game, coming off a bad couple of games. And I think, you know, sounds kind of cliche, but I think that will get him going. I, I know the sore knees have been the thing people have pointed to as a reason for Ant's drop-off, you know, because Ant himself has mentioned it a few times. But when Finch was asked about it, he kind of poo-pooed it after the game, like saying that, yes, Ant's a little sore and he's getting treatment for his knees. But, you know, if it's a problem, it, it, it's something that Ant needs to be a little bit more honest with the coaching staff and the training staff about what he's actually feeling. You know, if this was an, a knee ailment that could actually lead to a real injury, like they, they wouldn't be... They wouldn't be playing him. I think more likely is that it's just fatigue, you know, a product of a long season. Ant probably does need the All-Star break. Or, you know, he's earned the right to rest tonight if he feels he needs that too. That's kind of on him. You know, at 20 years old, though, I, I expect the opposite. I expect him to play on Wednesday, and I actually expect him to play well. My sense is that this is just as much a mental fatigue thing as it is a physical ailment, probably more so mental, probably more so just not being able to find that internal motivation every night. You know, and he'll get a chance. He'll get a chance to do it right away tomorrow. I don't have a prize pick segment for you tonight because there were not prize picks lines available for this game before it started due to there just being so much confusion about, you know, who was even playing for Sacramento tonight. But I'll have that back after tomorrow's game. We're going to keep rolling right into the deadline. Um, I'll keep taking these pods a game, a game at a time uh, until we hit the deadline or a trade happens, which when that does, we'll immediately react to whatever does happen or, or doesn't happen at the deadline. But right now, you know, a couple days away from the deadline itself, we, we have the unique scenario, you know, in the history of the Wolves where these games around the deadline actually matter. 
what they do or don't do at the deadline is kind of secondary to whether or not they're able to keep this run going. I mean, it is five in a row. It's 13 of the last 18. At 29 and 25, the Wolves are currently one game behind the Nuggets for the sixth seed and two and a half games behind the Mavs for the five. And they're creating some distance between themselves and the eighth seeded Clippers. Three games. And, you know, I'm I'm sure the next 48 hours will be crazy in, in some capacity, but whatever does happen, the Wolves have the Wolves can fall back on this pretty impressive extended run of play. And they can fall back on a record that's you know four games over five hundred for I think the first time since that Jimmy Butler. I'll be back to talk to you on Wednesday night after game two of this series in Sacramento. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.